Mother's Day started in Philadelphia. A gal moved here with her family. I think they were from West Virginia, moved here. Little gal, Anna Jarvis, and her mother died on the second Sunday in May, 1905. Two years later, 1907, second Monday in May, Sunday, I'm sorry, she invited friends and relatives over and they kind of came over remembering her mom. They had all known her and just, and the following year, uh, 1908, the church that they had been when she was a tiny girl in West Virginia was the first church in the country to have a Mother's Day morning service. And it spread from there to other churches. And Anna Jarvis remained single, taking care of her sister, who was blind, and but traveled all over the United States, talked to publishers, advertisers, churches, ministers, legislators. She went to other countries. And Mother's Day became an official part of our lives. Um, the government sanctioned it by putting Whistler's mother on a stamp doing that, honoring Mother's Day, and uh, moms, you deserve it. So uh, we're going to take today and look at uh, a mom in Scripture. So let's look into Exodus. Chapter 1 ends by saying, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, every daughter... You shall save alive. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and he took a wife, a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived in a day where they are slaves, they are living in obscurity. They are surrounded with the evil of Egypt. It says a Pharaoh arose who knew not Joseph. The Egyptian force is adversarial towards the Jews at this point in time. There is the idolatry. There is the immorality. There is the, the, the paganism that's all around them. And she has a child. She, she has her third child and the one who's under the edict now to be put to death Sometimes people ask, wow, the world's so crazy. I don't know if we should have kids. And Noah had three while he was building the ark. So the Lord knows, you know. And uh, maybe that child is someone we've all been waiting for. So don't be afraid to have children. She has a child. So she conceived and she bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. So she sees that he is goodly. The idea there is handsome. In the book of Acts, it tells us this, in which time Moses was born, and he was, it says here, exceedingly fair. The Greek is he was fair before God and nourished up in his father's house three months and when he was cast out, now, they didn't throw him out at three months. You might feel like doing that at 13 or, or 30, but they didn't cast him out. The word's only used four times in the New Testament. Here it's translated cast out. 
It literally means to set forth. The other three times it's used in the New Testament, it's the word expound, which is to set something forth and make it plain. So when he was set forth, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. He was mighty in words and in deeds. So that's what it tells us in the book of Acts. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the hall of faith, speaking of his mother and father, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid for three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. So we have goodly, we have exceedingly fair, we have proper now. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. There was, a, there was a higher law in their heart. So we have this scene. This woman, no doubt the midwives are there. She's in labor. She's hoping the baby doesn't scream and draw attention to the Egyptians. The midwives have already given a story to Pharaoh. He's saying, why aren't you throwing the kids in the river? And they say, these, these Hebrew women, they're lively. Before we, can, we get the phone call, by the time we get there, a baby's born. and It's too late for us to, to be involved. So no doubt she's laying there. She's struggling. She's in transition. She's in labor. A baby's born, and she's waiting to hear. Is it a girl? Is it a boy? And no doubt, obviously, she hears from the midwife she had just given birth to a son whose destiny was to be thrown into the Nile River and to be drowned. But he was goodly. He was handsome. He was proper. There was something about his, his countenance that was striking. And she said, she, it says, she hid, she conceived, she hid, she saw, she hid, she took. You see her all the way through this. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. Now, it's the only time this word ark is used before us is three times of Noah's ark. She took an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch same thing Noah did to the ark, and possibly she's thinking about that, that he was spared. And the world he was in was a world that was godless and deserved judgment, but God was merciful and spared his life. Maybe that's what's on her heart. But she makes this ark of bulrushes. She daubs it with slime and with pitch, and she put the child therein. And then notice, she laid it in the flags by the river's brink, the papyra, a place, by the way, alligators didn't go. They didn't like the, the papyra. And she doesn't just sail him off into the Nile River. She places him somewhere very specific. It says there in the flags, and his sister stood off wit to see what would be done. So we have this scene. Egypt, terrible place, moms, to raise a young child. And if you can imagine, they're waiting till children come full term to kill them. Something unheard of that we could never think of. Uh, the sorcery, the immorality, 
Very much like the Egypt that perhaps you're raising a little boy or a little girl in, moms. Hopefully you can take heart as we go through some of these things. And we have a slave woman here who would have lived and died in obscurity. We'd have never heard of her except for the baby. It tells us in chapter 6, her name, it says, And Amram took Jochebed, his father's sister, to wife, and she bare him Aaron and Moses. The book of Numbers says the name of Amram's wife was Jochebed, the daughter of Levi, whom her mother bare to Levi in Egypt. So Jochebed was born in Egypt. And she bare unto Amram Aaron and Moses and Miriam, their sister. So this woman's name is Jochebed. She's the first person in the Bible to have Yah as part of her name. It's interesting because generally we believe that Moses is the one who introduces Yahweh, a covenant God, to the nation of Israel. And by and large, that's true. But his parents are both Levite. And somehow the mom is named by her mother, Yahabed. She has Yah, Jehovah, in her name. And it means God's glory. This slave woman living in obscurity. Miriam's about 10 years old. Aaron's about three years old at this point in time. And she finds out she has this little boy, but he's proper. He's, he's godly. He's, he's a goodly child. We go through the descriptions in Acts, in Hebrews, and here. And it says, she laid him in the flags by the river's bank, no doubt with prayer. If you can imagine the emotion, she must have gone home and fallen on her knees. But his sister, Miriam, stands there watching to see what would happen. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash. God made her feel dirty that day. She came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark amongst the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, so it had a lid on it, she saw the child. And behold, the babe wept. And she, Pharaoh's daughter, had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. So she sees this countenance, this, this little boy. She sees a tear and the thread of God's providence and the future of the nation of Israel is in that tear as it moves Pharaoh's daughter's heart. She has compassion on him. She says, surely this is one of the Hebrew children. Miriam is close enough to hear that said, no doubt. Interesting thing in the Egyptian book of the dead, there were three things that could bring curses on you. And one of them was not to give milk to a sucking child. So no doubt that's part she realizes this has come to me. I have to respond to this. She hears Miriam her say this is one of the Hebrew children. Then said his sister, she happened to be there, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? 
that she may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and said, Mom, you, you ain't going to believe what's happening. She went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away, take the child into your care, and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, weaned it, three to five years old before the child is weaned. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, holding his hand, and he's walking at that point in time. If you can imagine, she has him as a babe, as a toddler, and as a little boy. What's it like for the day that she takes him and hands him over to Egypt? It's unimaginable, the emotion that must have been there. She hands her to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, because I have drawn him out of the water. So Egyptian name. We don't know what his Hebrew given name was. Here's one of the most famous patriarchs in the world with an Egyptian name, Moses. We don't know what his born, his given name was. God honors this name through the scripture, this name of Moses. Moses is mentioned 216 times by that name in Exodus, 80 times in Leviticus, 216 times in number, 35 times in Deuteronomy, 51 times in Joshua, 47 times in historical books, plus mentions in Psalms and Proverbs. He's mentioned 37 times in the Gospels, 19 times in the book of Acts, 22 times in the epistles. He's mentioned in the book of Revelation, 705 times in the Old Testament, 79 times in the New Testament. Moses is is spoken of in the scripture 784 times. This woman, this slave woman in obscurity. He's the deliverer. He's the emancipator. He's a lawgiver. He's a scholar. He's a soldier. He's a statesman. He's a saint. He shows up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah writes the first song in scripture in Exodus 15 and is still being sung about in glory today. Revelation 15, 3, they sing the song of Moses, servant of God, and the song of the lamb. This is a baby. This is, you know, and she heard from the Lord what every mom in this room should hear. She's aware. She had been praying that it is God's sovereignty that is bringing her child back to her to nurse and to care for. And she's going to get paid for it now. Now, I'm sure that's not what impresses her because she hears the voice of God through the vocal cords of Pharaoh's daughter say this, take this child to yourself And nurse it, listen, for me, and I will give thee thy wages. Every mom needs to hear this from the Lord. Take this child to yourself and nurse it for me. I will give thee thy wages. 
I'll never owe you anything. I'll never be your debtor. And the woman took the child and nursed it. What a picture we have. A slave girl would have lived and died in obscurity, but this babe comes along. She remembers Noah's Ark. She's a, evidently a, a mom with a, a background of tradition. She's a Levite. She saw what happened before in a world ripe for judgment, and she, she commits this child very much in the same way. It's interesting, uh, F.W. Borum and uh, Ruth Graham's favorite author, a lot of scholars loved F.W. Borum. He had been a pastor, but he was a writer. And he says, to accomplish his purposes in the world, God sends a baby. He says, in 1809, Napoleon was running roughshod over the world. But at Trafagler, his navy was destroyed. And at Waterloo, his military was destroyed. And everybody was listening for news thinking of battles and nobody was thinking of babies 1809 but in 1809 in one year William Gladstone was born in Liverpool Lord Alfred Tennyson was born in Somersby Oliver Wendell Holmes was born in Massachusetts Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky Frederick Chopin was born in Warsaw Felix Mendelssohn was born in Hamburg, and it goes on and on in the same year, 1809, when everybody was thinking about battles. God was at work, and today, which of those battles matters more than one of those individuals born in the same year, 1809? He said, when, when wrong needs to be righted, when work needs to be done, when truth needs to be preached, when continents need to be liberated, God sends a baby. He doesn't have to do it that way, but that's the way he chooses to do it. That's why long, long ago in Bethlehem of Judea, a baby was born wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. And that baby, under the heel of Rome, changed the world and changed our lives. Moses hands to us a legacy in many ways. Look, the Mosaic law is at the center of any sane legislation and legal system in the world. First degree murder, second degree murder, third degree murder, theft, immorality. It's the Mosaic law. We say that America has a Judeo-Christian ethic, not doctrine. It's about behavior and ethic, a Judeo-Christian ethic. It comes from him. Moms, commit those little ones to the Lord. 
this young boy is going to write the first five books of the Bible. He's going to live through Exodus, Numbers, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, but he's going to write Genesis as well. And those five books are the foundation of the scriptures that you and I know and love. This babe, this little boy. And she had taken full advantage then in stewardship as this little boy came to her and she heard the Lord say, take him now to yourself and nurse him for me. I will give thee thy wages. She's got him as a baby, as a toddler, and as a little boy. And she's investing. She's praying, no doubt, what every mom should pray. Lord, help me get the word of God into him before the professors of Egypt fill him with foolishness and godlessness with social media, immorality, violence, lawlessness. Before he goes to school with unsaved kids from unsaved families, with unsaved teachers that will mock his faith, where they're going to teach him evolution, universalism, and sexual freedom that is unhealthy in that world. This mom took a baby in obscurity, a slave woman. And in the first four to five years of his life, invested enough in him that it kept him for the rest of his life. The 35 years he'll be in Pharaoh's court after this do not bring into subjection the first few years when he was instructed by his mom. Her faith was real. The word of God was real to him in that home. In fact, it says here in verse 11 that when he was grown, and no doubt Amram and Jacobed were probably dead by then, at the age of 40, it says in verse 11, he went out to his brethren and he saw an Egyptian hurting one of his brethren. This is Charlton Heston, 40 years old, you know, he, 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 that's still in his heart. He goes out, he knows the Hebrew people are his brethren. Egypt hasn't taken that away from him. And look, moms, you get something in the heart of your kids. Some of them are going to backslide. Some are going to turn up. But as the world shakes and rumbles and rocks and rolls, they're going to come back. Some of you that were raised in that kind of home need to say thanks to your mom. If you were taught the scripture when you were little, you went to drug off to Sunday school, if you uh, acted out Bible characters, if you did any of that stuff, you need to thank God for your mom. The Bible says to honor your mother and father. Whatever your disparity may be with your mother, she's the biological vessel God chose to lay on a stainless steel table somewhere and scream and squeeze you out into the world. And you wouldn't be here alive griping about your mother if God hadn't chose her to give you life. And God asked you to honor her because she's the one that he chose. So if you want to argue with God, argue with God. But she's the one that he chose, just like he chose Jochebed for Moses. There's no mistake in any of this. 
And the interesting thing is we look at it then, you know, here is this boy growing up under this influence. And those five years she had with him are not wasted in the rest of his life as he lives trying to do what's right. And moms, you know, uh, I know it's terrible. We raised kids decades ago at this point. And I can't imagine raising kids in this present world. I mean, I watch the news in its madness. It's impure. It is plain wickedness. It is endorsed as normality and what you believe is hurtful about morality, about creation, about God's design and God's salvation. If you embrace any of that, you're a fundamentalist and you're the troublemaker. I mean, you know, wrong is being called right, right is being called wrong, wicked is being called good, and good is being called evil. We're right where Isaiah said we would be. We're right where the world has been so many times before. And when the world comes to this point, God sends a baby. Now, I hope, because I'm selfish, I'm a selfish baby, and I'm a big baby about it. I hope there's not enough time for you to have a baby to change the course of the world. I hope the baby from Bethlehem comes down and blows the trumpet and shouts and gets us out of here. And I hope that's the baby that changes our world at this point. But look, look, look. I know that's because we're so selfish. There may be a whole other generation. There may be one more Jesus movement before the Lord comes. There may be a great revival where he sees so many people that drive us crazy, broken and calling on his name and repenting and being saved and eternity being changed by that. He that may be in his heart and, and in his mind. I don't know. But in the middle of this, you know, should we be having kids again? No, no, I had three kids while I was building the ark. Probably just to get it finished. (laughs) He knew judgment was coming. We should have our families and our kids, and we should trust the Lord is more powerful than the world that's around us. We should have peace. We should tell our kids the truth and not be afraid to do that. She takes this babe, this little boy... And taught him the truth about creation. You didn't come from monkeys. And any self-respecting monkey family sitting around these days and the mom's telling their little monkeys, they didn't come from us. No matter what you hear, we're not responsible for this. She taught him about creation. She taught him about sin coming into the world in Eden. She taught him about Cain and Abel. He writes about these things. She taught him about Enoch, walking with God. She taught him about Noah and the flood. About Babel. About Abraham, called from Ur of the Chaldees. She taught him about Sodom and Gomorrah and the truth about it. About Lot. She taught him about... Isaac and Ishmael about Jacob and Esau. No doubt she taught him about the 12 patriarchs. 
She taught him how the people of Israel were enslaved in Egypt for a period of 400 years that was coming to an end because of a prophecy given by God to Abraham. Your descendants will go down for four generations. After 400 years, I will bring them out. And I think above all, above all, she taught him about Joseph. A young man who lived in the same royal courts that he would spend years of his life in and inhabit. A young boy named Joseph, a young man who faced the same idolatry, the same immoral temptation in Potiphar's wife. How that he was sold into Egypt in slavery. And yet he rose to the right hand of Pharaoh. And she knew Pharaoh's daughter was going to come for him. Impressing this young heart because as Moses writes the book of Genesis, the first book, he devotes over one-fourth of it to Joseph. No doubt that was all close to his heart and taught by his mother, no doubt, a Levite. Moses becomes probably the greatest legislator and national leader the world has known. And the reason is, is because of a mom. God wanted to change the world, so he sent a babe. And Jochebed, chosen as God's servant, heard the Lord say, take this child away and nurse it for me. And I will give thee thy wages. And the voice of the Lord is the same, no doubt. In that sense, Jochebed still lives in her example, and she still speaks as she is speaking this morning. Moms, she speaks to us today. Any of you that have a mom or a grandmom or an aunt or a dad that needs to be honored today and thanked, do that. And if you have hardness of heart, that's between you and the Lord. God's own heart. I think why he chose Jochebed is partly revealed in this. Isaiah tells us, the Lord says, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. Jehovah says, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you that there is comfort in the heart of our Heavenly Father that is to be likened unto the heart of a mom for her little ones, for her kids. And somehow that never changes. 
you know, when your kid's 50. I mean, my mom called me Joey until she went to be with Jesus. Uh, you know, uh, I'm in my 60s and she's calling me Joey. I feel like saying nobody does that, but she, uh, she had the right, evidently, to do that. So. Mother's Day, what a great day. Um, let it be what it can be amongst us and our families. And, you know, outside the church, I can't imagine it being everything it should be. I am thankful to see anyone who becomes successful in life then takes care of their mom and dad or their mom who raised them alone or their dad who raised them alone. It's always wonderful to see. But the eternal part of this is placed before us. And who's that little creature laying at home screaming that wants to nurse? Who's that little one we hold up and dedicate on Sunday and dedicate the whole process of the raising of that babe? Who's the kid in their terrible twos that's driving you nuts right now? (laughs) That you might say to God, it ain't worth the wages, take your money back, you know. (laughs) He says, take this child to yourself now. Nurse this child, and nursing was more than just the the milk. Nurse this child, God says, for me. Moms, for me. And I'll never owe you. I will give you your wages. I'll never be your debtor. And her wages came, layer after layer after layer until she passed and layer after layer after layer as she watched from glory. And layer after layer, no doubt as Jochebed watched the birth of the church, layer after layer as we are here today because a slave girl in obscurity raised a baby. Moms, your job is immeasurable. Let's stand, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these things. Lord, we look into them. And Lord, we're just, we, family is just something you've built nations upon, Lord. It's the building block of society. It doesn't take a village to raise a child, it takes a mom and a dad. Lord, we know that. It drives us crazy when we listen to the world around us. Lord, I pray for every mom here. You would bless her this day, Lord. You would bless her this day. I pray for the moms that are homesick, Lord, that weren't able to be here. Maybe they're infirm. Maybe they're in their 80s or 90s, Lord. Be with them today. Bring a kind word to them from a son or a daughter or a grandchild. Lord, let the comfort that you disperse to us as a mother comforteth a child. Lord, let us, in the same way, Lord, give that out. You said by the Holy Spirit we would have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, temperance, faith. 
and that against such things there is no law. Lord, grant that to us. Let us spread it around this day, Lord. We pray for every mom she would take a second look at the the babe or the toddler or the child she's raising or the teenager. And you would speak to her in privacy about what you've entrusted to her, Lord, and that she would be blessed, Lord. And we put these things before you, Lord. We want to learn these lessons. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Amram and Jochebed and their home. Lord Jesus, and we pray in your name. Amen.